0: The following audio is from West Pines Community Church. For more information about West Pines, visit us online at westpines.org. You can join us live Sunday mornings at 9, 10.30, or 12 in Pembroke Pines, Florida, or online at westpines.org. I need to begin this morning with a confession. There's this television show, that's no longer on the air. But I really loved this television show. And I'm, I'm confessing this to you. This is a safe place, right? This is a safe place. You're not going to judge me? Okay. The show is called Trading Spaces. Does anyone remember this show? You're like me. Like, I, I, I remember. Okay, that, that was an incredible show. It was, a, it was a, um, an interior design show. And there was a magic in this show. That, And here's how it worked. There would be two families, two couples usually, and they each had a. their friends and they each had a room in their house that they wanted to be renovated. And so they would sign up together and if they got selected, then what they would get is they would get a a designer to redesign the room, they'd get a $1,000, they'd get some skilled laborers and they would get their room renovated. But here's the trick, you didn't get to renovate your own room. You traded with the other friends, and your friends renovated the room. You had no say on what happened. It was the designer's plan, your friend's labor, and after two days' time, you would go into the room, and you'd you'd have your eyes closed, and you'd open up, and you'd see what this designer came up with and what your friends had done to your room. And that was the magic moment of the whole show. Because at that point, sometimes people were just so happy and crying. And sometimes they were crying. (laughs) And for a completely different reason. I mean, there were moments where you're like, oh, that friendship's over. Okay, that's irreparable right there. Okay." And one of the things that I'm convinced that the show did... That to spice it up is the designers that they had. I mean, most of these families, they had very conservative design in their homes. But they had a couple of these designers were these hyper-creative, very extreme experimental designers. And they would do things in these rooms that no actual human being would ever design a room to live in like this. Okay, And so people would come in and if they got one of these crazy designers, they their eyes would be open. They're like, what have you done? Done to my house, okay? Like, let me give you an example. There was this one time where the room that this couple selected was, I just want you to redesign my kitchen, okay? And the designer comes in with the friends and, like, okay, here's what we're gonna do. We are gonna paint the entire kitchen, the entire thing, bright fire engine red. I mean, not the walls. The walls, the cabinets, the countertops, the appliances, the shades, everything is just going to be red. And then the designer said, but we need to add some texture on the wall. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the paint tarp we used and we're going to affix it to the wall as like this artistic design. Okay, here's what the room looked like when they were done. That is awful. One time, that's not even the worst one though. One time there was, there was a couple and they said, all right, we've got this room, this living room, and we want, when we walk through the front door, we want it to feel like an oasis in this room. I mean, just this relaxing place. And so the designers, that, that's what they left with their friends. The friends relayed this to the designer. The designer says, okay, I got it. First thing they did is they painted bright red and yellow stripes up all of the doors, the walls, and up on the ceiling. And the reason was she said, I want it to feel like you're on the inside of a retro beach cabana. And then she brought in wheelbarrows of sand, covered the entire floor, the entire floor of six inches of sand, made a pretend palm tree and put in some lawn chairs. And when they opened their eyes, this is what their friends had done to their living room right here. That's bad right there. That is bad, okay? But my favorite one, I I don't even know if I can just describe this to you. Okay, I'm just going to show This designer, this was not a practical joke. This was the professional designer. This is what they did to the living room. Just look at this right here. See if you can see what's going on. That's not a joke, okay? They walked in. You can see there's a chandelier on the floor, Okay? They have all of the furniture affixed to the ceiling, but don't worry, they put some cushions on the floor for you to sit there. My my favorite part about this one is when the couple walked in, they opened their eyes, and the husband goes, this is awesome, I love this place! (laughs) And the wife is just speechless, like sending daggers at their friends. Okay, this is crazy. Okay, so here's the thing. Right now in, in this cycle of the year... We're all renovating. Sometimes it's like officially, like we've got, you know, you're one of those people, like I have my New Year's resolutions, I write them down, because if I write them down, I'm going to make it to the third week of January with them, because I'm really committed. Okay, some of us really formally, you're renovating, but even if you're not, I don't do, renovate, I don't do those kinds of New Year's resolutions, you're still renovating, you can't help, we can't help it. We're looking over the various sectors of our lives, the rooms. And we're saying, okay, I need to freshen this up a little bit. So for some of us, it's like, you know what, I, I'd like to see in my marriage, I'd like to see, I've got these goals. I'd love to see this different or better in my marriage or with our kids. You know, I've got these goals for our kids. Or maybe say, look, I, I'm not married. I have this goal for a dating relationship. Maybe it's to find a dating relationship or, or whatever it may be. We have these goals. We can't help it. We're, it's kind of a time to Refresh. Professionally, we're thinking about things like, okay, I, I want to be better at my time management. I want to do this a little bit better, or maybe I want to develop this skill, or I've got um, this for my health. I want to eat like this, or I want to exercise like this, and these are my goals. We can't help it, but we just, we're renovating right now. But the thing is, that the dangerous thing is who are we bringing in as our designer? Like, we're renovating this room, and if we're not really, really careful, we're gonna find that the designer that we're bringing in is like doing crazy backwards, upside down things. Like, we all know that like sand and dirt belongs on the outside of the house. But if we're not careful, we're bringing in a designer and it's just dumping sand everywhere. Like, we're renovating, we've got these goals and these plans for these different segments of our life, but if we're not careful, like, who we're bringing in, like, the, the voices that's, that's showing us what the design should look like, we'll turn around and there'll be things affixed to the ceiling that should be on the floor, like, completely backwards. And so before we take one step in renovating anything, like, whatever it is that you have goals for this year, there's one basic concept in truth that we've got to engage, and we're going to engage today. It's so foundational, it's so basic, but it affects everyone. I don't know where you're at in your journey with God. You may be here and say, look, I'm not really a spiritual person. I'm just kind of, I got questions, I'm just starting out. And if that's where you're at, first of all, I'm so, I love that you're here. I'm so glad that you're here. We love journeying with people who are at that place and have questions. But maybe you're at a place where you say, you know what, I've been journeying with the Lord for a long time, and, and you're saying, I'm, I'm actually, the, the goals I have, I'm wanting to do these things the right way, then you absolutely have got to hear what this passage in the Bible says. We're going to look at Psalm chapter 1 today. Um, in fact, we're going to spend the entire series in Psalm chapter 1. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, if you could open to Psalm one Now a little bit about the Psalms. It's one book in the Bible, but it might be one of the most influential, just Psalms by itself, might be one of the most influential bodies of literature in the history of the world. I mean, it's where you have such rich texts like the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, it's the, where the Psalms is where you have in the 23rd Psalm where he says, even though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I mean, it's just such unbelievable rich truths that have changed the world. And we're looking in this series at just the first Psalm, which might be one of the most profound Psalms and one of the most profound chapters in the Bible. And specifically, it's the perfect way to kick off this entire book called the Psalms. We're going to dig into it. So we're going to start in Psalm chapter 1. And we're going to begin in verse 1. Here's how the Psalms kicks off. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. The entire book, I just want to pause there for a second. We're going to keep going in a minute, but I want to pause there just for a second. The entire book, all of Psalms, begins with one word, blessed. Now, this is an interesting word for us because our culture uses this word. Like, we use this in our culture in all, and it's very loose how we use this. Like, if you've ever seen someone put hashtag blessed on an Instagram post, It could be any type of post that hashtag blessed ends up on. It could be like, hey, I got a new job, hashtag blessed. Or, hey, all the families together, hashtag blessed. Hey, I had a great bowl of spaghetti, hashtag blessed. Hey, the Dolphins won their playoff game, hashtag blessed. Great thing to put on that Instagram post later. We'll all do that together later, okay? Okay. We do hashtag blessed on all, I mean, it can be anything that we put this on, so we use this word very loosely. Now, we also use this, not just in broader culture, in church culture, we use the word blessed when we're being spiritual, okay? So you get to church, and outside at work, someone says, hey, how you doing? You say, oh, I'm fine, but at church, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed, brother. (laughs) Really, in what way are you blessed? Well, my life is falling apart, but I'm still blessed, So we use blessed, it's kind of a spiritual way of saying I'm doing fine. Okay, We use it like that in church. We use blessed all different ways. But how is, how is the Bible using blessed? How is this passage? What, is, what do they mean? Let's not just skip over and import our meaning of the word blessed. You know, a couple thousand years ago when he said blessed is the person who, what does he mean by blessed? This was originally written in Hebrew. And in ancient Hebrew there are two words that mean blessed. Blessed, two prominent words that we would translate as blessed. The first one, this is probably the more famous one, is the word barach. And this word is kind of like the spiritual blessed. This is used when it's like God is blessing someone. He's bringing a blessing into their life. Or it's the word that if someone's praising or thanking God, they would say, we bless the Lord. This is the, the type of blessed comes from that word barach. There's another word, asher. And that also, we would translate that blessed. But that's a way more down-to-earth meaning of the word blessed. It's like, man, you're, you're happy. It's like you're in a good place. Like you're, it, may, it might be more than happy. It might be like you're blissful. It was what Ash, Asher means. Very down-to-earth. So Psalms kicks off this entire book of hymns to God, this entire book of praises and poetry and songs sung to God, and we would expect of these two words blessed, we'd expect that it would be barach, this kind of transcendent joy of praising God, but that's not the word the psalmist chose. It's asher. Well, that's a little bit different. I I would think that Psalms is gonna start really big. It's gonna be this transcendent joy of like heavenly joy on this very spiritual plane, but that's not how Psalms kicks off. It's very down to earth, it's down at our level, it's looking us eyeball to eyeball, and it's looking right at us, and it's like Psalms says, let's just start here. I know your life is crazy, I know it's complicated. I know it's busy, I know it's stressful, I know you're anxious. But in the midst of all that, it's like Psalms is saying, let's just start on this point. Do you know what happiness in the midst of all that crazy looks like? It's saying like, the person who is really like blissful, like I'm not talking like on some other level blissful. Like really tangible, down here in the weeds, like happy and blissful. In fact, one scholar said it might be best to translate Asher, this word for blessed, as one who is to be envied. It starts out on our level, meeting us where we're at and says, you want to know what a life that would be envied looks like, that's enviable? You want to know in the midst of all the crazy, what a life that is truly blessed, like actually happy and joyful and blissful, do you want to know what a life looks like? Because Psalm says, I'm going to right off the bat just tell you. All right, Psalms, you got our attention. What, what, what does it look like to be blessed? Here's what it says. Verse one again. Blessed is the man. Happy is the person or, or blissful is the one or to be envied, an enviable life is the one who... Walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He says, let's just start really at a place that we can all understand. He says, you want to know how you find joy and happiness and bliss and a life that's to be envied in the middle of all the craziness? He says, look into your life and see all of the influences from your culture. And all of us are influenced by culture. You you cannot not be, that's what it means to be human, is you're influenced by your culture. He says, but look at all the ways that you're being influenced. And he says, look at the things that are influencing you towards wickedness or ungodliness or away from the things of God. And he says, if you want a life that is to be envied, you pull out those things that are influencing you for wickedness. And he says, and then you're pouring in God's ways and God's wisdom. He says, in fact, if you want a life that is to be envied, that is blissfully happy. He says, you are so meditating and pouring over God's ways, it becomes your obsession night and day. He says, let's just start on this level. You want a life that is happy and blissful and to be envied? Then don't be influenced by the wickedness of the world, but be influenced by the ways of God. Now, okay, you're sitting here and you're saying, okay, this is what you're saying. If If I'm hearing you right, Psalms is saying, Don't do things the world's way, do things God's way. Yeah, simple, right? You say, okay, I was kind of expecting a bigger reveal than that, all right? That's pretty basic, okay? I'm expecting, I'm not shocked to hear that at church. I'm not shocked to hear that the Bible says do things God's way, not the world's way. I'm not shocked to hear a, a preacher say that. Okay, but before we like, oh yeah, I got it, do things God's way, not the world's way. Before we just say, okay, yeah, that's simple, 101 level. Let's just take a pause for a second. That's simple to say. That's unbelievably difficult to do, isn't it? Because oftentimes the things that God says are things that are diametrically opposed to how we naturally want to operate. God's ways say, hey, the way, to have, the way that God wants you to live is to live a life that puts other people's needs before your own. So put your wife or your husband's needs first, your kids' needs first. Put those around you, like, have a life of service. That is unbelievably difficult to do that, isn't it? God's ways say things like, okay, when it comes to your personal sexuality, I've put boundaries on that, not to stifle you, but to channel that so that it's stronger. That's not like an easy thing. I mean, that's a lifelong kind of pursuit, isn't it? Like scripture says, I mean, it says difficult things. It says things like, okay, when it comes to your, your finances, to your stuff, to your resources, it talks about our relationship and it says, really the way to handle that is not this constant, unending pursuit of more, but it's to live in contentment and generosity. I mean, those types of things, that is hard. It's, what makes this so hard is that it's, it's contrary to how we naturally operate, isn't it? That's what is so difficult about doing things living by God's ways, not the world's ways. But that's not the only thing that makes it unbelievably difficult, is it? It's so often that the things that God wants and that God teaches are absolutely absurd to our culture. Maybe you've been in a discussion with a family member or a coworker or a friend, and they've said, how do you believe this? Is this really what you believe? Because this is crazy and you've been like, and it's been uncomfortable because maybe you don't know how to defend that. Or, you say, and, or they're like, man, maybe it's more than that. Maybe they've actually pushed on you and, and they've kind of maybe ridiculed or even bullied you. Christian, You believe, how can you believe this? I want answers. What about this? And what about this? And I've got this question. And, and you look at the world and see this and you still believe this. And there are times where if we're honest, man, okay, yeah, we know there's God's ways and they're what's supposed to be right. But sometimes it's uncomfortable to take a stand and say, no, this is true. I believe this. See, it's easier to say, yeah, God's ways, not the world's ways. But, man, it's a whole different thing. We can all nod our heads in here, right? But it's a different thing to walk out those doors and to let that play out in our life. I want you to see how Psalm 1 ends. We're going to just jump to verse 5. Psalm 1, verse 5. Here's what it says. Therefore, the wicked... Will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You know what this just said? God is very gently saying something very strong. God is essentially very gently in this. Passage saying, it doesn't matter how much the world beats its chest with all this bravado and arrogance and says, God, your ways, we've moved past them, we've graduated from them. We, we don't need those anywhere anymore. we've got them right. It doesn't matter how much they beat their chest and firmly believe that one day when they stand before God, their opinions and their ways will be cut down. They're, the things that they're, those opinions, those ways that are contrary to God, they cannot stand before the judgment of God. It's saying this, you may feel like I can't defend the ways of God in man's court and God is saying it doesn't matter because man cannot stand in God's court. It's saying that it doesn't, matter what humanity may think and as he has watched the Alpha and Omega for all of time has watched as generation after generation after generation has risen up and we've said God we've figured it out now no thank you we've got it from here and he's watched after generation after generation after generation has said that and he's saying I'm not threatened this is nothing new. As God looks down at humanity, he's not threatened by these tiny little creatures on a pinprick, which is our solar system in a small galaxy. And he looks down at these little creatures with these tiny brains and says, I'm not threatened by your brains, I'm actually holding them together right now. Here's what God is saying. He's saying, my ways, he's gently saying, my ways stand. Nothing is going to threaten my ways. See, here's what's so challenging about this truth. The problem is that sometimes we are em- we can feel tempted to be embarrassed by God's truths and God's ways. And sometimes we feel like, oh man, I just kind of feel like God's ways are outdated. Can I just push on that? The fact that God and his ways are outdated are out of fashion. Can I just push on that for a second? In about 12 months, we're gonna be reviewing 2017. And here's what we're gonna be reviewing. What, what songs were the greatest hits? What movies came out that were a surprise hit? What fashion trends? Really caught big? What was like the big Christmas toy that everyone had to have on 2017? We're gonna look at that funny video that was on YouTube for five minutes in March that we all thought was hysterical and then forgot about. We're gonna look at all of the trends that we all have no idea about. Do you know that God has already been there? He knows all of those things. Now, do you know what that means? God is is not behind culture. He already know, he's the bleeding edge. He's the edgiest being in existence. God is hipper than you. Okay, like if in your mind God is like, he's in this like long white robe and he's, he's got this beard, okay, and he doesn't, you know, his fashion sense lacks a little bit. Okay, somewhere this year there's going to be some fashion designer in Milan, okay, and it's going to have the great idea that's going to take the world by storm. And God's going to say, not only was I there in that moment, I inspired their thought, okay? God's not up in heaven in his white robe saying, denim, I don't know what that is. I'm still kind of getting used to that, okay? He's on the absolute cutting edge of culture. He understands all of it. He's not outdated and he's saying, and my truth stands. I don't need to upgrade or update. Sometimes our issue is it seems like God's ways. Okay, you know, I, sometimes I'm embarrassed to seem outdated, but sometimes I'm embarrassed because they just seem unintelligent. And maybe you're not even saying, I'm not even saying that believing in God is unintelligent. I'm just saying that there's God's ways, but there seems like there are better ways to live. Like, I know that, but that seems dated, and and, and this right here, that, that seems like we've discovered new and more intelligent ways to operate in these categories. Can I tell you actually how unintelligent that thinking is? It's unbelievably illogical. How could the one who invented everything that's the beginning and the end that knows knows the past, the present, and the future, how could anything other than his ways be the most intelligent plan to follow? Sometimes we're concerned because it feels outdated. Sometimes we're concerned because what God says, it feels like an unintelligent path. But sometimes it just feels like God's ways are just stifling. Right, I get it, his ways are right, but I just feel like he's holding me back if I do things God's ways. Well, can you hear what Psalm 1 is, is saying? Because this psalm is, is speaking directly to that. God himself is saying this. If you're wanting to find life, vibrant Life. If you're wanting to say, not just at some transcendent level, but I'm trying to find the way I'm I'm supposed to thrive here. I'm wanting to find happiness, and I'm wanting to find bliss. I want a life that's to be envied. That's how Psalms is starting here. He's saying, the basic way, down to earth, my laws and my plans are guiding you to a life that will thrive. He's saying, I am the inventor. I know how my creation is supposed to thrive. But sometimes we think, God, you give me all these laws and you're doing it just to kind of test my sincerity. Like your laws are contorting me into all these unnatural positions and you're making me go through this gauntlet called your laws and your commands and your ways and and I'm having to jump through all these hoops just to prove that I'm faithful. And here's what Psalm 1 is saying. It's so important. It's saying, no, I have designed, if you follow these laws... They're for you to find life. He's saying, these laws are not just, don't just stomach God's ways. Savor them. Don't just endure God's ways. Like, okay, I'm going to do this because I love you, God. He's saying, no, don't just endure them. He says, enjoy them. He's saying, don't just dabble in them. He's saying, obsess over them. Don't just like accommodate God with a couple things. Run hard after his ways. He says, you will be happy. You will not regret. You will. It, bl- it may not be exactly the way you'd play it out, but he says, trust me, if you do that, you'll end 2017 and look back and say, look, I was blessed. And not just in some otherworldly way. Like, I realize how much wiser it was to live this life your way, God. So here's the thing. All of us right now, we're, we're renovating there's a room in your world that you're renovating it might be your relationships it might be your your professional life it may be some part of some kind of organizational side of your life you're renovating it and here's what psalm 1 is saying who's the designer you're bringing in are you just like incorporating goals that you pick up just from the world around you? Or are you saying, God, I want your goals. I want to do things your way this year. Like I'm just stopping before I start running after and assuming that I've got everything your way. I want to stop for a second and say, before I I tweak anything, retool anything, reclaim anything, I want to stop and say, God, you point me in your direction. I'm going to pour over. I want to do things your way. Because here's the scary thing. The scary thing is no matter how, where you're at in your walk with God, just starting or maybe you've been doing it for, for decades, we will never get to a place where we've pulled all of the world out of our lives. And so that means that right now, whatever it is that you're renovating, there's something in there that's been informed more by the world than by God. And you absolutely want God to be the designer. And this morning, he's saying, time out, stop. Make sure I'm the one that's designing this renovation project. And run hard after that. You say, well, how do I pull out the ways that the world is informing me? And we're going to talk about that in detail through this rest of this series, we're going to be talking practically how do we adhere to God's ways and pull out the ways of the world. In fact, next week we're going to talk about how do you uncover these parts of our lives that are informed by the world. You don't want to miss next week as we talk through that. It's absolutely vital that we learn how to do that and have the self-awareness to learn how to pull those things out of our life. We're going to talk about that next week. But here's what the point is for this morning. Today the point is we've got to reframe Our thinking about God's ways. We've got to transform our thinking. These things are not just to be tolerated, they're to be treasured. We've got to think about, they're not things to kind of be embarrassed and bashful about, they're things to stand firm on and to run after and pursue. And so we've got to just start this whole series by just letting that wash over our brains. And so here's the challenge, the practical challenge for today that that we're challenging our whole church to do. The challenge for this week is to take Psalm 1, six verses, and to commit it to memory this week. You say, okay, I've never done that before. I don't know how to memorize things. I'll just give you, this is how I memorize verses. I take a, um, when I feel like there's a verse I really want to sink in and transform it, I'll take a note card like this, and I'll take a second, and I'll open up the Bible, and I'll write out, By hand, I'll write out that entire verse so I'm starting to to get get to know it better and I'll write out the whole chapter and then I'll just take it one verse at a time. I'll put it in a place that I can see it. Maybe it's um, like on my mirror or maybe it's on my dashboard and every day I'll take a place and I'll just start with verse one and I'll just read through verse one, try and say it without looking until I've got it down word for word because if I've just got the gist of it, then I know I don't own it. And I'll get verse one down and then I'll go to the next verse and I'll try and learn one and two. And then the next day, one, two, and three. And I'll get it till I own it and I'm just washing it over so it's transforming my mind. Now, I want, here's the next part of that challenge. Imagine you didn't just do it just as the adults in our church. What if we did it in our families? I guarantee you, even if your kids are not even in school yet, they'll memorize this faster than you will, won't they? Imagine, I want you to think about this for a second. Imagine your kids grow up with this passage lodged in their hearts and their minds, constantly walking with them, reminding them that they want God's ways and not the world's ways. Can you imagine the power of letting that loose in a child's life? Here's the challenge. We're gonna memorize this verse as we're launching into this series. We're gonna memorize this this chapter, Psalm chapter 1, together as a church. And so we're going to, here's what we're going to do today. Right now in the seat backs of all the seats is a, uh, a card like this. Can everyone grab a card? If you're in the front row, it's because you're super spiritual and you probably already have it memorized. So, or you can reach behind you and get a note card. Um, everyone, can everyone pull out a note card and everyone get a pen? A note card and a pen. You've got the verses. If you have a Bible, you can re- read it from your Bible. It's also in your listening guide. Here's what I want you to do right now. I'm going to take a moment right now, and I want you, we're going to give you some time to write out this verse on your note card, okay? So I want you to write out Psalm 1, 1 through 6. I want you to write it out on your note card. Take a second and do that now. Okay, that's all the time we have. Did everyone finish? (laughs) Did you guys get that done? Okay, here's what I'm banking on. I'm banking on that half of you are like the OCD type. That's like, I can't stop writing. I don't care if you're talking. I'm still writing. And it's going to gnaw on you when you get home that you won't even be able to eat lunch until you finish writing This verse And I'm banking on that so that we got you started today. You will finish writing this verse out. You'll put it on your mirror, on your dashboard, and maybe as a family you memorize it. Maybe at the end of the week you all have some kind of party because you all memorized it as a family. We want this verse to lodge into our minds as a church. Set the course for this year, changing our thinking to realize God's ways are something to run after hard. They're for us, and we'll be blessed, deeply blessed, if we pursue them. I want you to think about, this way. think about this for a second. That's not something God had to do. He didn't have to make his laws in such a way that they make it so that we thrive if we follow them. He could have made his laws like a gauntlet to test our sincerity or, or our faithfulness. No, but he said, "These I'm just showing you how I designed the world to thrive. That's an incredible gift from God. But let me tell you something else. That's not the best part. That's not the good news. The good news is not that God ways, God's ways make our lives better. That's true, but that's not the good news. That's actually not even the reason we come together every week. It's not to just, well, tweak my life and make it a little better by showing me how God wants me to live my life. That's not chiefly why we're here. Do you realize that's that's not the good news? That's just a side added benefit. Do you want to know what the actual good news is? The good news is one day all of us are going to stand in the judgment in that courtroom before God. And if it was left up to us, he's going to look at our lives and say, but you've broken my laws. In 2017, you you tried to follow my laws and, and you made mistakes. So that means you're a sinner, you're wicked, and you're guilty. And all of us stand before God guilty. What the actual good news is, the whole point, the reason that we gather here is that God looked at us who are wicked and guilty and loved us so much that he sent Jesus Christ, the Son of God, down to earth. He died and suffered on a cross paying for our sin and rose again from the dead saying the payment is done and God says, look, I know that you've fallen short of my ways. I know that you haven't perfectly followed my ways and because of that, you deserve punishment but instead I put that punishment on Jesus Christ, exhausted your punishment on him so there's no punishment left for you and if you just accept my forgiveness because of the sacrifice and the death and resurrection of Jesus, you will be washed clean. Your past present, and future is all forgiven. That is the good news. The good news is not that he's tweaking this life a little and making it better. The good news is that we have eternal life when we die because of Jesus Christ. That's the good news. Now here's what I want to just challenge. You might be here today and you might be saying, look, I I feel like all my life I've just been trying to live God's ways because I'm, I'm trying to earn my way to get his love and acceptance and get my way to heaven. And here's what I'd say today. You can't earn his love. Just accept his forgiveness. He loves you. He's saying, Jesus paid for your sin. You are washed clean because of Jesus. Just today, receive his forgiveness. No matter what's in your past, you can have a fresh start today accepting the forgiveness of God because of the death of Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're like, I want that so bad. I just want to know that I'm forgiven. I just want a fresh start. That's why this Bible uses the term born again. It's like you're born to start completely over permanently under God's grace and forgiveness. But maybe you're here and saying, I want that. How do I get that? I want to just lead you, if that's you, you want to receive the forgiveness of God, I want to just lead you in a simple prayer. And let's just all take a moment before God. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for a second? Can we all just take a quiet moment before God? If you're here and you're saying, I want to find the forgiveness of God. I want to know for sure that I'm spending eternity in heaven one day. Then I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. But before I do that, I want to ask you to do some, take a bold step. And if that's you and you want to pray that prayer and find the forgiveness of God, no one's looking around, everyone's heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If that's you, say, I want to pray that prayer, then I want to ask you something bold. Would you just slip your hand in the air and put it down? You say, today, I, I want to find God's forgiveness. I see it, praise God. Anybody else, you say, today, that's me. I want to find faith. I see it, praise God, amen. Anybody else? I want to begin this year knowing that I've got a fresh start, that I'm washed clean because of what Jesus did. Just slip your hand up and put it back down. Amen. I see it. Maybe you didn't even raise your hand, or maybe you did, but if you want to pray that prayer, I want to lead you in this just simple prayer right there in the quietness of your heart. Just pray this right there. Make this this your quiet prayer to God. Say, God, thank you for saving me thank you for forgiving me. Jesus, thank you for suffering to pay for my sins. I want to follow after you and live life your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at westpines.org. If you would like to speak with somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, please call at 954-432-0321 or you can email us at podcast at westpines.org.